0: This is one-on-one's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is one-on-one's NFL Friday. Hey
1: everybody, welcome to another edition of NFL Friday Week 14. David Spampanato joined by Billy Reinhart and Matt Constantini, John DeBarrow, along with our fantasy updates throughout the show. So, guys, we've reached week 14. The NFL season has been pretty weird, Just in, and it's always weird. You never know how the season is going to shape up week in, week out. Um, last night, Thursday Night Football, Titans on top of the Jaguars, 30-9. to nine. Um, We've basically reached rock bottom for the Jaguars at this point, Billy.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Jaguars coming into the season, we thought that they would be one of those teams competing for the AFC title, maybe meet New England in the AFC championship game, and the wheels have completely fallen off of them so far this season. I was actually watching a bit of the game with David last night, and we were just laughing. You have Eric Flowers and Patrick Omame manning the left side of that line, not to mention their quarterback problems. So, I mean, they're really the Giants South this season.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was on board Blake Bortles at the end of last year. It looked like he finally turned a corner and figured out how to actually play quarterback at the next level. And then we get to this season, and he just looks like the guy we all thought he was. And it's not great when you get benched for Cody Kessler, and then it's even worse when you as a team almost get outgained single-handedly by Derrick Henry.
1: Yeah, who's not. who hasn't shown that he's a great back in the league? He's fine. He's a decent running back. Yeah, he's
2: going to be a guy that sticks around for a yeah. while.
1: I don't know if you guys saw the Dan Graziano tweet from ESPN. Uh, he goes, I'm just going to quote it because I thought it was absolutely hilarious. He goes, ah, yes, Eric Flowers, some artists work in clay, some in oils, some in quote-unquote Called for a holding on a play where the QB gets sacked anyway. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> just because we got to see the three of us, Eric Flowers week in week out, and just the frustration as a fan seeing what he's what he's not able to do at the tackle position. But
0: I think Patrick Omame is even worse. I and mean, that's embarrassing. At least he's not our, a tackle, though. You know? I guess so. he's not exposed as much being on the outside. Yeah. But Omame just is—he's horrible. And the Giants got on the hook for a lot of money in the next couple of years, but. Um, yeah, they have a bad left side of the line. At least for the Giants, they started off on the right side this season. Now they're on the left side, the blind side of the quarterback. But, yeah, it starts when the Jaguars just – they they haven't been too good. And that defense has been worse than expected as well. I mean, they haven't really stopped anyone. They, what did they give up, 30-plus points to the Titans yesterday? And the Titans are in some explosive offense. So, Derek Henry had an unbelievable game. He's impressive. But the Jaguars just – they're not in the right direction right now. And, Matt, the Jaguars, like you were talking about, Blake Bortles
1: – They've more or less quit on him, in a way. I mean, we were kind of saying before the show, his career after the Jaguars is now just going to be Mark Sanchez, essentially.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that. Uh, they should absolutely, they're going to be inside the top ten of the draft. They should, even though it's not a strong quarterback class, they're probably going to want to find one anyway, just, just because they need to cut ties with Bortles. But yeah, he's going Blake Bortles has that skill set, which will let him be a clipboard quarterback for the next ten years.
1: Could we see him in a Giants uniform, potentially? Oh,
2: God, I hope not. I can't live with that, because th- they're getting killed for still sticking by Eli. I can't deal with, th- with all the jokes about Bortles being a Giant now. No,
0: I don't think it would be Bortles. I think they're either going to stick with Eli, um, or they'll take a chance on a veteran option, like a Nick Foles or a Teddy Bridgewater to kind of... Lead them into the next era, and they'll draft a young quarterback. It's gonna be one of those things. There, I don't really think Blake Bortles. They're trying to salvage his career with the Giants. Yeah, we'll see. But so
1: the Titans won last night, 30, 30 to nine over Jacksonville. Titans are seven and six. Jacksonville four and nine now. So their season essentially over. Uh, and Tennessee very much in the mix, but uh, more importantly um, in the league, uh, Kareem Hunt situation really bad um, from all angles. From Kareem Hunt's angle, from the NFL. Um, the visual for the league itself. Um, so Hunt was placed on the commissioner's exempt list for an incident in Hunt's apartment building in Cleveland. Uh, it was a domestic violence incident. The NFL reviewed the police documents from that night and interviewed some of his friends that were present, but did not interview Hunt or the girl that was shown in the video that Hunt put his hands on. And I mean, Matt, I, I can't put it any other way than that this is just unacceptable from all from all directions. It's
2: such a, such a bad look. I don't even know where to start. It's obviously horrendous by Kareem Hunt. You should never put your hands on a woman in any situation. That's just terrible judgment. He needs no better not to do that, especially because of how prominent he is in the NFL now. He broke out last year. He's an elite running back now. So he needs to know that he is held to a higher standard than anyone else at this point. Um, from the NFL's point of view, they messed up pretty bad. I don't know how you have this video from February and you don't do anything about it until it's leaked by TMZ in November. They need to start policing themselves better. We were talking before the show. We thought they would have learned after Ray Rice, and they just haven't. And then from the Chiefs' point of view, yes, they did the right thing by letting go of him basically immediately. But you look at them, and it's almost hypocritical because they still employ Tyreek Hill.
0: Uh, that's what exactly what I was yeah, going to get to. Yeah, yeah. They- and- Go ahead. And Patrick Mahomes came out and said it's something we don't condone. And you don't blame him because what else is he going to say? But at the same time, this is a chief's organization. As you mentioned, they rely on Tyree Kill and Kareem Hunt. That's how they got to have this great season. And both of them have histories now of violence with women who they were girlfriends with or we don't even know the relationship. But that's unacceptable, as you mentioned. And I just don't get why they would employ Tyree Kill, even though his incident happened back in college, as opposed to Kareem Hunt. Maybe it was a spur of the moment thing. They just reacted quickly, but um, I don't really see much difference between the two. All these
1: situations should be handled the same because regardless of the brutality of it or, or you know, whatever the video or lack of a video may show, these situations need to be vetted and handled exactly the same. And the NFL has shown absolutely no consistency in that
0: matter. And that's the exact problem with it. Exactly. exactly. I mean, you said they, the NFL hasn't learned from the instance. I'd say they have learned, but... They've con- like with the Ray Rice incident. That was worse than any of these videos we've seen. Oh, honestly. absolutely. And what did, go ahead. And what did on. he get? Four games. I'm trying to think back. Originally, I, I think
2: he got originally four games, and then the Ravens finally cut him loose.
0: Yeah, and then they and then the NFL re- heard all the outrage, and they're like, oh shoot, we got to do something more and more because everyone's going to get it on us for it. And now they just kind of have a zero tolerance policy, which I don't necessarily disagree with. Um, but there's no consistency, as you mentioned. See,
1: I don't agree with that, that they've learned from it. I don't think they have because you look at Ruben Foster, same situation, and they're essentially saying if there's a video, we're going to act on it. If there's no video, we're just going to leave it alone.
2: Yeah, and I run the risk of sounding really preachy here, but these guys need to understand that they are role models mm-hmm. once they reach the NFL. they are, Like I said before, they are held to such a high standard, and it might be unfair because, yeah, at the end of the day, we're all human, we all make mistakes, but the level of notoriety that you gain from being a high-end NFL player, especially like a first-round draft pick like Reuben Foster was or even becoming a breakout rookie sensation like Kareem Hunt, you need to make sure that you want your best behavior at all times, because in the snap of a finger, you could be no longer in the league like we're seeing with Kareem Hunt. Ruben Foster, he should, he should have cleared waivers. He should not have been picked up by an NFL team. The Redskins made just the worst choice imaginable. I don't understand the rationale behind signing him. It's not even like he's playing. He's not going to play this year. Mm. And... Kareem Hunt was unclaimed, and he is on the commissioner's exempt list. He's suspended. I don't see a team picking him up this year. But will he be back in the league next year? Probably, just because that's yeah. how it goes. He's a he's an elite running back, and that's a hot commodity.
1: Before we get to John's fantasy update and our Giants segment, I just want to ask you guys one question. So the NFL, like I said, did not interview Hunt. The Chiefs did. Billy, which one is worse, not interviewing him at all or interviewing him and letting
0: him slip out of your fingers? you talk about the Chiefs. The that Chiefs they, interviewed him. Well, if they re- interviewed he, him, I think they gave him the opportunity. That's only fair. But
1: if he lied and then you just kind of leave it at that, is that okay?
0: When did they, I'm not necessarily sure. When did they interview him? Was this after the incident just now? No.
2: I think it happened when, at, they, when the NFL went, yeah, was talking to him.
1: Yeah. Uh, when it originally happened. Because the, original, the police did not ask for the video. The video leaked out after the fact. So when it originally happened, they had originally heard about it. Oh, you're talking about they were aware prior to it leaking out. Yeah, so in February when it happened. So the NFL heard about it, the Chiefs heard about it, and they both – well, the Chiefs addressed him about it. The NFL did not. Do you think the Chiefs are more at fault for interviewing him and just taking him upon his word, or the
0: NFL is more at fault for not acting on it at all? I think in all these circumstances, especially in a situation where there is no video – the person is bad as something. They could do. They deserve a chance to explain themselves or a chance to go through some kind of process. So I think it's appropriate that the Chiefs had him and they spoke to their player. Um, from there, I don't know what was said, and obviously it looked a little more severe than maybe they were letting on. And when everyone heard about it and everyone felt the way they did, obviously by seeing that video, um, then they realized, okay, this is worse than we thought. We got to get rid of him. It's a bad look for our team, which I think they responded well at that point. But I, 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 I like we said, zero tolerance policy for it um but i think every guy deserves to be able to have himself heard the nfl has to do a better job in handling this in total i mean you you have to give the guy a chance to speak about it i don't think you could just completely put him on the commissioner's exempt list but i don't know that's just my two cents on it
2: i feel like it's it's you run the risk of it being innocent until proven guilty or guilty until pro until proven innocent you could either as soon as allegations arise, you could put him on the commissioner's exempt list, and if it turns out that he is innocent, he gets to come back immediately. But I think that they just need to start getting more uniform in their policies because you can't keep having situations like this happen where you know for seven months, eight months, that this kind of thing happened and the chief said that they that Kareem Hunt lied to them when, he, when they interviewed him and you can never tell if he's being truthful or lying or anything like that. But it's just a, it comes down to a judgment call. Do you want this kind of negativity surrounding your team when you're having the best season that you have had in a very long time?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, Matt, I think it really comes down to the point that you made, too, that these guys are role models, and they need to understand the pedestal that they're on. And for that matter, understand that their their pitfalls are going to be viewed upon far greater than the pitfall of the average person. And uh, when he had his interview on Sunday with ESPN, it was all, I, I did this, I did that, no apologies, no... You know, it's just selfish, and, and I I don't expect him to be back in the league anytime soon, um, for that matter. And overall, the NFL needs to do a better job of handling it, be more consistent with it, and set forward a policy. So, we'll get into our Giants segment, but first, we'll have our first fantasy update with John
0: DeBarrow. Who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week? Here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup.
3: Since regaining the starting job in Tampa, Bucks quarterback Jameis Winston is riding a two-game streak, posting at least 22 fantasy points. This week he draws a nice matchup versus a middling Saints pass defense in what could be a high-scoring contest. The Bucks will likely be playing from behind, so count on Winston for big numbers through the air. With Melvin Gordon officially out of the Chargers matchup with the Bengals, Austin Eckler will be the man in the L.A. ground game. While Justin Jackson may see some carries as well, there will be enough touches to go around against Cincinnati's league-worst run defense. Another player who will see more touches because of an injury to a teammate is Bucks receiver Chris Godwin. With Deshaun Jackson unlikely to play with a thumb injury, Godwin will be seeing more attention from Jameis Winston against the Saints defense that ranks dead last in fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. And those are your surefire starters for Week 14.
1: So week 14 for the New York Giants, currently 4-8 having another have another divisional matchup. Washington Redskins on the road this week, so I prepared a Giants report for week 14 for their matchup, so let's take a listen to that. Nobody saw it coming. It looked like a matchup from hell but the Giants defied the odds and took down the Big Bad Bears 30-27 in overtime. It was an absolute roller coaster. We saw a defensive tackle with an offensive touchdown. Odell Beckham launched a flat-footed 49-yard touchdown pass, Tariq Cohen with a touchdown pass, and an onside kick recovery, which all led to the Giants' victory. This week, the Giants head down to the nation's capital to take on the Redskins with Mark Sanchez at quarterback. The man formerly known as the Sanchez in New York was 13-for-21 with 100 yards and a pick after he stepped in for Colt McCoy against the Eagles on Monday. The Giants are three-point favorites going into this one, and a good part of that is due to Saquon Barkley. The second overall pick from this past year's draft is coming into his own. In his last three games, he's averaging just under 150 yards from scrimmage and has five total touchdowns. Barkley is a shoe-in for Offensive Rookie of the Year and will continue to light up opposing defenses. Odell Beckham said this week that he's looking forward to playing spoiler for everyone else. The Redskins' playoff hopes are still alive at 6-6 and are a perfect target for the Giants. Defensively, the Giants can't rely on the turnover like they did last week against Chase Daniel. They need to improve their tackling and Adrian Peterson will be a difficult back to pull down. On the injury side, Landon Collins is out for the season with a shoulder injury, which makes tackling a taller task for Big Blue. I think the Giants will check off their first assignment as spoiler. Give me Giants 23, Redskins 17. Covering Big Blue, I'm David W, WFUV Sports. All right, so I have the Giants narrowly winning 27-21. All Look, I mean, Billy, I know that you're, you want them to lose as many games as possible. How do you see this one? And Matt, you're nodding your head aggressively. How do you see this one going this week?
0: Uh, Well, I mean, it's Mark Sanchez and the Redskins now, so I would not be surprised if the Giants won. Like you said, they've been playing some better football. They should beat a pretty good Bears team, albeit without Mitch Trubisky, um, another backup quarterback they face. So Giants getting a little bit of an easier schedule here towards the end of the season. I would not be surprised if they won this week. If you asked me to give a pick, I'd probably say they win as well and continue to mess up their draft position. And now the problem is you mentioned Jaguars need a quarterback. They're 4-9. They've now jumped the Giants as long as the Giants, if the Giants win this week. And that's a problem because all the teams the Giants have in front of them right now, it's not that big of a deal because they all seem to have quarterbacks. But the Jaguars jumping in front, I don't know, Justin Herbert to the Jaguars would really, really piss me off. But Matt, I know that you're on board of do not draft a
1: quarterback in 2019. Not this year. So why do you care so much about their draft position here?
2: Because there's still a lot of really, really good defensive help on the board at this point. I mean, you can you can make the fair assumption that Nick Bose is going number one, and then from there, it gets a little muddled. Where is Josh Allen from Kentucky going to go? Where is Ed Oliver going? Where is and Williams going? I feel like they could probably be in a spot if they're at, like, at the five spot or the six spot. They could maybe look to the offensive line, get maybe Jonah Williams or Greg Little from uh, Ole Miss and Alabama in reverse order. Excuse me. Um, but I think... Greedy Williams from LSU, cornerback, would be the perfect pickup for the Giants this offseason because Janoris Jenkins isn't getting any younger. They shipped out Eli Apple, and they just need some corner help. I mean, when BWF is— They need a lot of help. They need, That's a, the thing. They need a lot of help, yeah. So
0: you're going to want to take the best player available, as usual, but you're not going to just take a quarterback to take a quarterback. You have to no, go through your evaluation, pro- evaluation process, yeah. and if they tend to like Justin Herbert, because I think it's the only guy that could go in the top ten— um, Then you take Justin Herbert. You don't force it, but I tend to like what I've seen from Justin Herbert. I haven't studied him like a scout, but from what I've seen, I like him.
2: Yeah, I I like Justin Herbert a lot, too. The biggest problem with him is, is he going to actually declare this year? Because that's the problem with all the quarterbacks in this year's draft. Justin Herbert might go back to school. Dwayne Haskins might go back to school. Um, Drew Locke, I'm not sure if he's a senior or not, but I think he might have the option of doing a fifth year if he is a senior. So there's no guarantee of a quarterback even being there, but... Going to the game itself, how can they not win? It's Mark Sanchez. I mean... I yeah. like Mark
0: Sanchez more than most, actually. And The Redskins still have a decent team, but they've been ravaged by injuries.
2: The yeah. the one problem I can see the Giants having is without Landon Collins, who is arguably their best defensive player on the field this week and for the rest of the season, they might actually struggle in some pass coverage.
1: And they had a lot of tackling woes, too. I mean, when we've seen it over and over again. It was just exposed a little bit more when you face a slippery back like Tariq Cohen, you know, catching balls in the second and third levels. It gets very tricky. Um... You know, last week they were able to pull out that win, but it was pretty ugly. I mean, I thought Shermer had a good game in terms of play calling, but there were some questionable moves. Um, It was 3rd and 8 when Eli took a sack. They should have ran the ball. Saquon came right back on the field. I was up in the box like, they're going to run the ball. And then Eli takes a sack, and I wanted to rip my hair out. Um, There was another one, third and 2, where they go empty set after Eli had been getting killed a couple plays in a row. Don't completely understand that one, but I I think Shermer is kind of – getting more comfortable with his play calling. He's a little out of the box, like almost Chip Kelly-esque, and he was Kelly's OC at Philadelphia. I kind of want to see him think out of the box these last couple weeks and be aggressive, be creative, go with a Z-reverse, let Odell throw the ball. Exactly. More throws from
2: Odell. Odell Beckham Jr. is the best quarterback on the Giants right now.
1: I mean, I'm not going to have any major disagreements but there.
2: But you're talking about Pat Shermer and getting more comfortable with this team. What I need to see out of Pat Shermer the rest of this season is to get Curtis Riley off of my football team. That dude does not know how to play I, at B.
0: all. B.W. Webb, I feel the same way. He yeah. had a good game last yeah. week, but B.W. Webb is just lost out there. But the, that, that brings us back to what, what we were saying before. The Giants need a lot of help. They need a number one corner. I personally think they should move on from Janoris Jenkins. They need a number two corner. Mm-hmm. Landon Collins, you know what's going to happen with him. You have to probably give him the franchise tag. They need another pass rusher. Olivier Vernon, we'll see what they do with him. They need at least two offensive linemen. And then you need a quarterback. So there's a lot of work for the Giants to do. This is not going to be a one-year rebuild. Definitely not. But I don't want to overanalyze this season too much. If you look at the beginning of their season, the teams they played are good teams. And the teams they're playing now are not really good teams with the exception of the Bears. Um, so th- they were going to do better as the schedule lightened up. But um, I'm not really surprised at how they've won the last couple of weeks. But I wouldn't take too much from it either. And, and hopefully the Giants brass does not when it comes to Eli. Yeah, and
2: Billy, that's a really great point about their schedule being a little bit easier now. Because I think them winning this amount of games at the end of the season is going to trick the front office and ownership into thinking Eli Manning still has it. I don't
1: think so. You don't? don't you no, don't? no. I think the front office is well aware of Eli's shortcomings. I think Shermer is well aware of his shortcomings as well, that he can't move in the pocket, and he's just not going to work as a quarterback in this day and age in the NFL. Um, I think they're going to attribute winning these games to the talent that they have on offense, because you look at what Saquon Barkley is able to do week in, week out, and you can attribute that win to him for the most part. I mean, they had he had the 22-yard rush, which set them up for the field goal going into halftime, and then first play coming out of half, Odell Beckham throws the touchdown, completely shifts the momentum, 10-point swing, and the Giants go out and win that game. Without that run by Saquon Barkley, they do not win that game.
2: Can we acknowledge how good Aldrick Rosas has been this year? Oh, yeah. So
0: surprising, too, because last year he was horrible.
2: Yeah, he's turning it. Right now, it looks like he could be one of the better kickers in this league, and that's something the Giants haven't had in a really long time.
0: Pro Football Focus has him rated as the top kicker in the league this season. I mean, he's got a big leg, and like we we saw him last year, he was missing a lot of kicks, and... Like you said, he's one of the best kickers in the league now, and that's a huge development because the kicking part of the game, good teams need good kickers, and when the Giants are ready to become a good team, then maybe he'll eventually be be here for the Giants.
1: Matt, back to your point about the front office thinking that this team could be good, good teams beat good teams. You're right. And the Giants, the only good team the Giants have beaten is the Bears, and they did it without (laughs) their starting quarterback. So how good are the Bears with... Chase Daniel instead of Mitch Trubisky, I, I mean, not that great. I mean, he's been the difference maker. Him and Mack, really, have been the huge difference makers this year because we knew they had talent on defense. But quarterback was always the biggest hole for them. And there's been development outside of you know Trubisky. I want to give the Bears credit because they're a great football team. But, you know, the Saints, they can't beat. You know, they throw away a game against the Eagles. They killed against the Eagles. Cowboys, they were never in it. The they only did good... beat
0: the Texans, although but Texans the Te- were 0-3 at the yeah. time. That's when they were so, bad, yes.
1: yeah. So, um, and they turned it around after that. But... You know, the Bears, sure, they're good on paper. The Texans, now they're good. They didn't really beat them at their best, and they're yet to beat a team at their best. At the same time, had they stayed in a lot of games with good teams? Yeah. Billy, you were up close at the Saints game. They were in that game all the way
2: through up until the very end.
0: Until the end. The Panthers, they lost by two. Panthers are struggling a little bit now, but they're a decent team. The Cowboys, they lost by... But good teams win these games.
2: And they only lost that game to the Panthers because Graham Grinnell hit a miracle field goal, just like last year with Jake Elliott Yeah, nobody's ever missed a late field goal against the Giants. I can't remember it.
0: Yeah. but, I mean, I'm worried about with the Giants and Dave Gettleman because when he took over last year and they were just deciding if they're going to stick with Eli, he said, I'm unsure, I'm going to look at the tape. He looked at the tape, and the one thing he brought up was Eli's best game of the season, an aberration against the the Eagles late in the season where he went had a great game. And I don't think that's the real Eli, but he said, oh, I, I watched that game, I can tell Eli still has some in the tank. So I'm worried he's going to look at one or two games down the stretch and point to those for Eli, which I, I don't mind Eli coming back if he wants to take a pay cut. And they draft a young quarterback, and he could groom him for a couple of games and then have them take over. Billy, in defense of
1: Dave Gettleman there, you couldn't judge Eli Manning off of anything from 2017.
2: No, that offensive line was so bad. And he, he, didn't had, no do anything. he yeah. had no weapons. He had no weapons yeah. either. He had
1: no run game. Odell Beckham was gone. Shepard was gone for most of the season. Marshall was gone for most of the season. I don't think it's fair to put that blame on Gettleman and say, okay, what do we have? Because you didn't know. You really didn't know. And then if you look at his numbers, too, this year, I mean, yes, a lot of times they are in garbage time and deep coverage, but his numbers are fine. I just don't think he's good enough to lead a team into the playoffs. I mean, at this point, he's more or less a game manager.
2: I just don't think Dave Gettleman was the right hire to begin with. Going with such an old-school GM in in today's NFL was not the right choice, and that was ever-present in his introductory press conference when he was mockingly typing on a keyboard saying oh it's analytics now although
0: i get a kick out of him he's funny when he talks yeah, he's, he's a i funny think they should have lewis riddick but i mean yeah, that's the Maras the mar's love having guys that were in the giants organization keep doing the same thing so i wasn't really surprised by them hiring dave Gettleman, but i definitely agree with you yeah
2: i love the giant way but the giant way is going to lead this team to four wins in 8 years uh mm-hmm. ah, I
1: I like to just stick with the process because it's worked. You know, they've won a couple Super Bowls with it. The Maris have done a really nice job being one of the more consistent ownership groups in football. You know, to go alongside with the Steelers and and some others. But, um, I I don't know. I don't have a problem with Gettleman. I thought he drafted very well. I thought there were some, certainly some mistakes in free agency, bringing in Jonathan Stewart, who he had in Carolina, who he liked a lot. He drafted him. He liked him a lot. There's always biases in football with bringing on certain players. you know. So Stewart was certainly a mistake. Um, but overall, in terms of getting assets midseason, when the, he knew that they weren't going to be a playoff team, and the first three rounds in the draft this year, I think he's done a really, really nice job. So I don't have as much of a problem um, with Gettleman. I just think there's so many holes on this team, and I don't necessarily believe quarterback is the one you need to confront right now. So I know, Billy, we've talked about that a lot, and Matt, you and I have talked about that a lot as well. But um, we'll head into our Jets segment as the Jets continue to deteriorate. Sam Darnold, Josh Allen this week, but first, we'll have another fantasy update
0: with John DiBaro. Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week.
3: Kirk Cousins has been a reliable starter this season, but that doesn't mean he's a sure bet for fantasy production this weekend in Seattle. The Seahawks have allowed the seventh fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks this season. Cousins has also been dealing with turnover issues, with two multi-interception games in the last three weeks. A tough matchup in a hostile road environment limits Cousins' fantasy potential. Adrian Peterson turned back the clock last week with a 90 yard touchdown run, but that's probably where the fun will end for the 33-year-old running back. Peterson has failed to eclipse the century mark in five games in a row, and with Mark Sanchez now under center for the Redskins, scoring opportunities will be too hard to come by in this week's matchup against the Giants. And Eagles receiver Golden Tate finally turned in a fantasy-relevant performance with his new team last week, but that shouldn't convince you to trust him this week against the Cowboys' elite pass defense. Before posting 23 points last week, Tate had gone six straight weeks without double-digit scoring performances. And those are some guys you should steer clear of in fantasy this week.
1: J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. This week they take on the Bills. We finally get that Darnold-Allen matchup. Neither one are quite exactly in the place we would have hoped in their rookie seasons, but Vinny DeBellis
4: has more on that one. Based on the start the Jets got out to last week against the Titans, it looked like week 13 was finally going to be the week the Jets would snap their losing streak. But the pick six and block punt that propelled the Jets to a 16-0 lead was not enough. The Jets struggled mightily in the red zone. And while it helped that Jason Myers was a perfect 5-for-5 five five on field goals, they simply needed more of those drives to result in touchdowns instead. After blowing that 16-point lead in Tennessee, the Jets' nightmare of a season continues Sunday in Buffalo, where head coach Todd Bowles and the Jets will look to avoid a repeat performance of the 41-10 trouncing that the Jets suffered Week 10.
2: I think every week is personal for us, so you know the fact that they beat us pretty good, that stings as well, but last week against Tennessee stung, so we just got to go out and play our game.
4: The Bills have been playing their best football of the year as of late, winning two of their last three and almost pulling out last week's nail-biter against the Dolphins. Josh Allen is playing with confidence, and the Jets have yet to see him this year, as it was Matt Barkley who tore up the Jets' D in their first meeting. Sam Darnold is expected to start this Sunday for the Jets, but at this point the team may be better off keeping him out for the rest of the season. At 3-9, the Jets' season is all but over, and the last thing they need is for their franchise quarterback to develop a chronic foot injury. Make sure he's 110% before sending him out there. The Jets have the talent to win Sunday without a doubt, but they keep finding ways to lose games, and these two teams are trending in opposite directions. I'll go Bills 24, Jets 21. Covering the...
3: I'm
4: Vinny DeBellis, WFUV Sports.
1: Alright, so Jets-Bills this week... Uh, early in the season, we thought the Bills were an absolute dumpster fire, and the Jets might have some things looking up. Now it's the script has flipped a little bit as the Jets continue to falter. Um, I honestly have no
0: idea what to expect this week in this matchup. I think they're both a dumpster fire now, but um, Josh Allen has actually surprised me. He's been, I, th- I liked his potential, but year one, he's been a little better than I thought he'd be. Um, they actually just got rid of Kelvin Benjamin, so he's kind of been a wreck this season for them. Um, but I mean, it's two bad football teams, but two teams with potentially exciting futures. They seem to have the quarterbacks that they want.
2: Yeah, I'm actually, I've been very surprised by Josh Allen recently. He's he's actually looked competent throwing the football, and a large part of what was his problem in college was that he, they, he couldn't complete anything. He had such a terrible completion percentage. But now you look at him, he's hitting the deep ball, which, which was arguably his biggest flaw, and if he can continue to improve on that, he has a chance to actually prove a lot of people wrong, especially me.
0: Well, he's got one throw a game. You'll just see, you scrolling through Twitter, you're not watching the Bills, obviously, every week, and you'll just see one throw for 70 yards he'll unleash, yeah, and it's just exactly. ridiculous. It really just shows the potential that he has. Yeah,
2: and that was his biggest strength, was how big of an arm he had, because th- I, I feel like this kid could throw 80 yards on in the air easy, any throw.
1: A lot of the narrative going into this game has been, Did the Jets make the right call with Darnold over Allen? (laughs) Yeah, they 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 did. Going into the draft, it was a no-brainer. But from what I've seen from Darnold this year, like, sure, you're going to hit that, Billy, as you said on another episode, that rookie wall. I I, I think there's a rookie wall that you can hit, and I think Baker Mayfield, like, you know, was having a lot of success, and then last week just kind of hit a wall where it was like, okay, like, you know, I, I need to take a step back here and understand that there's a lot more work to do. Darnold's had some nice moments, but in those last three games before he got hurt, I saw a quarterback playing scared. I saw a quarterback not going through his reads. I just saw make my read, make my throw, even if it was the wrong throw. And when he's trying to make more reads, it gets even worse. So I don't see that progression throughout the season from Darnold. And if I'm the Jets, I'm a little bit disappointed in that.
0: Well, I'm definitely disappointed with Sam Darnold this season. I thought he'd be better... And lead the Jets to maybe a competitive 7-9 and nine record in best case scenario. But uh, that offensive line, I don't think it got enough attention this offseason just how bad it was. I mean, a lot of people talk about the Giants offensive line, how bad it is. But I, think, I thought going in the Jets was worse. I still thought with Darnold's capability, they have Crowell. I thought their wide receivers would be good enough, although they don't really have a true number one. I thought they'd be competitive. But Darnold really hasn't progressed throughout the season, as you've said. Um, however, I still like his. I still like his potential long term. I think with young quarterbacks and young players in general, mistakes tend to multiply. They won't be able to keep their composure throughout a game or even from week to week. Like he's struggling now. Maybe it's in his head a little bit, and he's pressing, which is I think only natural. Um, but I think long term, the Jets got their guy.
2: Yeah, I mean, I like to hate on Sam Darnold a lot, but in this situation, I think there's only so much he can do when the coaches and the game plan and the play calling aren't putting him in a situation to succeed. I mean, I know that I've talked about this on the show at least twice now, but Todd Bowles and the offensive coordinator, I can't remember his name right now, but the play calling just isn't there to to help him out. And there's only so much talent can do at this level, especially for a rookie. I mean, he can be the next Joe Montana, John Elway, for all we know, but right now he's still a rookie quarterback that isn't getting helped out by his coaches, and that's a shame to see.
1: Yeah, um, Jeremy Bates, their OC, Bates. who replaced John Morton, who I thought did a fine job last year. And Josh McCown was pretty outward about um, how well he thought he did. But, no, there, there's a good point there. And and I think you you know co- head coaching and OCs are so important in this league, and Todd Bowles is just clearly not the guy to go and develop that quarterback. So I think that begs the question going into Week 17, because this is essentially a lost season for the Jets, and we can look forward to what – what's going to happen the monday after that final sunday in week 17 so billy you know there's a lot of names out there um you know with mike mccarthy getting fired now a lot of solid ocs in the league a lot of college coaches that might potentially be looking for new jobs who do you look at as maybe one or two potential
0: head coaches for the jets well i think it's got to be a broad search you're not going to look strictly at people with head coaching experience in the nfl you're not going to look strictly at assistant coaches you're going to look everywhere college yeah. coaches yeah Offense and defense. You're going to really have a broad search. and Are I you looking
1: th- offense and defense, though?
0: I prefer an offensive coach, but I'm going to open it up to everyone, obviously. Okay. I think you do yourself a disservice if you don't. Um, but I think always when organizations look for coaches, I think it's a good opportunity to hear from so many different minds around the league of where you think this team should go and different bounce ideas off of them. So the Jets should use that to their advantage. Specific names at this point, I think it's a little early for that because you don't know who's going to get fired, as you mentioned, right after the regular season but ends. But do you
1: want a head coach that just got fired? I mean, say it's, I don't know, Marvin Lewis. Let's I don't want say. Marvin Lewis, well, that's, just a, no, that's, that's <laughs> Mike just McCarthy. Exa- no, no, Mike it's just, McCarthy. I'm just maybe. using Lewis yeah. as an example. As yeah. A guy, yeah, McCarthy, I mean, he's won a Super Bowl. But do you, Matt, are you actually going to want a head coach that the same way Bulls got fired will get fired as well?
2: No, I don't think they need to go the Mike McCarthy route because if he couldn't win more than one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, what is he going to do with Sam Darnold in his second year, in his third or fourth year? Um, I think they should give a, a pretty decent look to John Filippo. Yep. I I really like him I think he's the next guy To make the jump From OC to head coach
1: You know where his first Coaching job was right Where was that Fordham University. Fordham University. 2000. He was the quarterback's
0: coach. Josh McDaniels, obviously, although I really think he's that he t- might have Green job. Bay he, on, he, on his he, radar.
2: I've, I think this is finally the year that Josh McDaniels isn't scared to be on his own.
1: He's not good. I don't think it's scared that he's scared to be on his own. I think the Patriots have essentially groomed him to say, okay, this is your job after Belichick Do is gone. Do you think he's
2: promised the job? Yes. But yes. why Why would
0: he want to be? Just think about it. When Belichick's gone, Brady's probably going to be gone yeah. at that point, too. Why would he want to be with because the Patriots walking- rather than Aaron Rodgers, who's now under contract for <laughs> no, five because more years? Because walking- he's
1: directly into the system that Belichick has. I mean, I'm okay with that. There's a culture there, and I think Belichick and Kraft entrust McDaniels to pass down that culture. He's been there for a while, and he went out on his own, and it didn't entirely work on his own. I think he would be 100% interested in taking a head coaching job. I mean, he obviously is. He took the indie job last year, but I think there's a reason he's still there, and I think it's because he's promised that job in New England. Now, a guy who I threw out there, and everyone was like, you're out of your damn mind. Like, what are you talking about? Nick Saban. For the, not for the Jets for the Packers but um, so I don't think that that would necessarily be a, a fit for the Jets and Saban Saban want to take the Jets job but a thought and I know he said he's not interested Bruce Arians he's already around the organization Bruce Arians I don't think he entirely wants to coach but say it's a one year thing just we want you to develop Darnold for Let's the Jets now we're going for back to the Jets, Jets. yes Bruce I meant to say with Saban with the Packers and I yeah. didn't think McDaniels would take that job um, and I think Saban could potentially be a fit for the Packers but Bruce Arians for the
0: Jets—it's a thought. But if, if it's a short-term thing, I don't, I don't, I don't want, I don't like all this, this, this coaching change. You hope to find a guy that's going to be with Darnold now for the next ten plus yeah. years. Yeah, but what if you don't feel like that guy's out there? Because uh, he definitely sh- is. Then I don't think you should fire Bowles because you don't want this continual turnover. If there's not a better option out there, you got to fire Bowles. Yeah, you do. But I, I, I agree. But there's definitely a better option but, long-term. But
1: you can't name an option. So
0: I haven't really looked in depth into who the Jets are going to look after. But I mean. I personally think... If there's
1: not a clear option there, then this is, you're just proving my point right here. If there's not a clear option there, then why are you I, just going to throw a guy into the fire? And say, I like that Filippo mentioned that he yeah. said. I, I,
0: Ma- Mike McCarthy, I don't love him. I think he's no, overrated, great, as yeah. you mentioned, but I think he's definitely someone I would give a chance to over having one year Bruce Arians. I think if a sh- Bruce Arians wanted to be here for a longer term, fine, but I don't think so.
2: I think a short list of names right now, if they do choose to fire Todd Bowles, should include John D. Filippo, It should include Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma. I think... It's a long shot, and I might only be saying this because the forum connection. But Coach Joe Moorhead maybe fu- maybe makes the jump after his second year in the a- in the SEC. Maybe I don't know. Um, I think that you could give maybe David Shaw from Stanford a look. He's been a he's guy. He's been
0: rumored for like yeah. the last five years. Yeah,
2: I think it's finally time that he leaves Stanford because Brian
0: Kelly's been rumored the last five years. He finally got Notre yeah. Dame good again yeah, this year. Brian
2: Kelly's definitely going to stay at this point. I wanted him fired after last year, but he's really turned that program around. So I think you have a good. Start for names a, a, a guy that probably isn't going to leave where he is now Because they have their young quarterback Freddie Kitchens he, He's kind of turned that, that Browns offense around mm-hmm. After uh, Hugh Jackson left But they definitely need to go offensive minded head coach Because that you don't take a quarterback In the top three If you don't plan on bringing an offensive mind Around him to develop
1: I think that I, I don't have a problem With bringing in a college coach I just want a guy that's going to implement a culture be confident in that culture, and stick to it. I'm not sure Lincoln Riley is old enough or experienced enough to step into an NFL team after only two years as the head coach at Oklahoma and go and do that. Maybe John Harbaugh would be, yeah. or Jim Harbaugh, either one of those two. I mean, I don't see that. Um,
2: and I really love your point about establishing a culture because as we've seen the last few years under Todd Bowles, the Jets' locker room has been a mess I mean it looks like he doesn't have control over his players of what they do off the field or or anything I mean the that's why I like Pat Shermer for the Giants because he looks like a no-nonsense guy that really brings his locker room together and that's what the Jets need they're a young team and they need someone that's going to lay the law down
1: yeah and and for that reason I think Jim Harbaugh would be a really good hire because he's been in the NFL Michigan, I think they would like to hold on to him, even though there are some conflicting reports that they could be over him, but he'll step in there. He'll say, okay, I'm going to come here. I'm going to run the show. I'm going to enact a culture and I'm going to develop a quarterback. You need a guy who's a hundred percent in on this, not just kind of dipping his toes in the NFL. And I like Lincoln Riley. I think he could be an NFL OC, but I want to see a guy who's come through the pipeline and has a really good understanding of how the NFL works. That's my reasoning behind Arians. But Billy, I I think there's a point to what you're saying where you don't want that short-term fix, but I think if Arians could come in, bring on a really, really good OC and groom him to become that head coach, I think that would be a great fit.
0: Potentially, but I I still I don't love the constant turnover. Maybe bring Arians on in some way in the organization, have him be around Darnold. But I don't think he should become a head. He's coach already he's within the organization involved. a let little bit, but the role more is so to he's
2: there once or twice a week. Yeah, you know, it's be let, more more involved. Let him be what Tom Coughlin is right now for the for the Jaguars. Works yeah. too. Yeah, it works no, too.
1: it absolutely works. So, um, draft for the Jets before we wrap it up we'll and hand it over to our fantasy and our pickums. Draft for the Jets and free agency for the Jets. So, well, I'll just do a yes or no. Le'Veon
0: Bell for a high price yeah yeah yeah. No, I'm in on Bell. He's a total they, offensive weapon. They have weapon. so much cap space. Like, you could overpay someone a little bit because you, that's the luxury of drafting a quarterback early. You have him under such a cheap deal for all these years. it's so a good point. You could take advantage. Look at the Rams and look at the, the Chiefs and look at all these good young teams. But you're going to have to pay that guy down the road as well. Yeah, that's five years down the road. I mean, but the Rams, Eagles, Chiefs, three of the most – even the Eagles are struggling this year, but they still have one of the more talented rosters in the league. All three of those teams have quarterbacks on rookie contracts, and that gives you such an advantage in paying your players.
2: I think Bell's going to the Chiefs Yeah, personally,
0: yeah. personally, now, I mean, maybe. I, I mean,
2: how can it? How can they not? That's such a perfect fit. I'm not
0: sure their cap situation, but the Colts are going to be another team. Yeah. They've, they've been pretty good this year. Um, Colts, Jets, and Chiefs, maybe. Yeah. So, from there, I mean, they need a pass rusher.
1: They could use a corner. The secondary has kind of been underwhelming. An offensive line help they could use as well. So, I mean, in the draft, I'm just thinking best available. I don't care who's there. As long as it's not a quarterback that you don't need, I'm
0: just thinking best available. I don't mm-hmm. know about you guys. Yeah, I mean, I think the Jets have done well with that. The last couple of years, I mean, Jamal Adams, Leonard Williams, I thought they were the mm-hmm. two best players in the yep. draft. They got them both, I believe, at six. Um, they got lucky there. Sam Darnold, I thought he was the best quarterback in the draft. So um, the Jets have been fortunate in having guys fall to them the last couple of years. And once again, now that they have their quarterback, just keep taking best player available. And then in free agency, we have all that money keep adding offensive talent around Darnold, both in skill position players and the guys up front.
2: Like I said with the Giants, the Jets are lucky that they're in need of defensive help and that this is going to be a very defense-heavy top 10, and they can get any one of a number of players, and they will be incredibly happy with whoever it is. So we're going to
1: our final fantasy update with John DeBarrow, and then John, you will come on with us for our pick
0: Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking.
3: Derek Carr may be in the midst of his worst pro season, but you can do worse than starting him against a Steelers defense that has surrendered the 10th most fantasy points to quarterbacks this year. Carr is coming off one of his better games on the season and makes for a capable starter who can take advantage of a favorable matchup. Staying in Oakland, Raiders running back Jalen Richard is poised to take on a bigger role in John Gruden's offense after posting 120 scrimmage yards on just 9 touches last week against Kansas City. Richard excels on passing downs, and we'll see even more of the field as long as Doug Martin is still limited by a knee injury. Broncos receiver Cortland Sutton suddenly finds himself as the number one option in Denver after Emmanuel Sanders went down in practice earlier this week. Sutton is coming off one of his best outings of the season and draws a nice matchup against the 49ers' bottom five pass defense. Sutton will be a big part of the Broncos' game plan as Denver moves forward with their playoff push. And those are some fantasy sleepers that will give you the edge in Week 14.
1: Couple Raiders on there, John. Interesting one. I like the picks this week.
3: Yeah, as a Steeler fan, I hate to pick against the (laughs) Raiders. Or pick for the Raiders. Pick pick against the Raiders, But they actually played pretty well last week against Kansas City, and maybe that Oakland home field advantage will uh, do them some, some good again this week. They might need a little bit more than home field advantage. But,
0: Billy, let's kick it off. Jets at Bills I'm going to take the Bills Jets are reeling right now I think the Bills are trending upward and the Jets are going down
2: Yeah, no Darren Lee this week or for the next four weeks suspended today four games for substance abuse give me the Bills
3: Yeah, I think the goal this week is going to be more to work Darnold back into the folds. I like the Bills as well
1: Hey, I had the Bills written down but if you want to win this thing you got to go gotta against, the against the grain, the grain. Yeah. I'm
0: going Jets now uh, Carolina at Cleveland Carolina's been brutal on the road this is a tough game. Um, I'm gonna go with Carolina. They get their season back on track.
2: Carolina needs this win to keep them in the playoff line. I'll take Carolina.
3: I think Carolina's class is been one of the bigger surprises of this season. I think it continues. They go bo- go below 500 in Cleveland. I like it. Pulling a page out of my
0: book right there, but yeah, I'm going Carolina. Yeah,
1: I'm gonna go Carolina. I think uh, they got too much on the line and they're too good
0: to lose this game. Atlanta at Green Bay. First game without McCarthy. Green Bay, coach gets fired, team gets a little bit riled up. They're at home. They've been better at home this season. The Falcons haven't been too great. I'll take the Packers.
2: I'm taking Atlanta. It's going to be tough to, to play this first game without Mike McCarthy in over a decade.
3: Give me Green Bay and an angry Aaron
4: Rodgers. Let
1: Aaron Rodgers go on his own. Let him do his thing. Let him call the plays. Let's just
0: go all in. I'm taking the Packers at home.
1: Baltimore at Kansas City, first game without Kareem Hunt.
0: Yeah, this is a really interesting game, obviously, with everything going on with Kareem Hunt. The Chiefs are 5-0 and at home. They've been very good this season. The Ravens are underrated, though, 7-5. and They've won three in a row. I want to go Ravens, but I'm going to go Chiefs.
2: I'm also taking the Chiefs. I think Pat Mahomes is still good enough to do it by himself.
3: Yeah, I don't think Lamar Jackson, who looks like he's going to be starting this week, I think Flacco's still dealing with that injury. I don't think Lamar Jackson could keep up with Mahomes. Give me Kansas City.
1: Second game without Kareem Hunt. was placed on Exemplos Sunday morning, so two games now without uh, Hunt. I love Lamar Jackson. Give me Baltimore on the road. Uh, New England at Miami. Brady is
0: brutal in Miami. Yeah, but the Dolphins are not really too good themselves. I'll take the Patriots down in Miami.
2: Yeah, the the Patriots are starting to get on that that late-season roll they always seem to find, so I'll take New England.
3: It feels like every year New England is due for a late-season loss in Miami. I don't know if the numbers back that up, but it feels that way, so I'm going to stick with that feeling and go with Miami. Let's go.
1: I'm on board with you. (laughs) I have a feeling that late-season loss is coming right here. Uh, New Orleans against Tampa Bay. New Orleans at Tampa Bay, that was uh, one of their losses this year outside of Dallas.
0: Yeah, they're not going to lose again. The Saints are... I think the best team in the NFC right now, and they're going to keep rumbling along. The Buccaneers have really fallen off after the beginning of the season.
2: Yeah, the Saints are just going to pile it on. I don't think Tampa's defense can hang, and their offense won't be able to score enough.
3: I think Tampa's a sneaky, hard place to play for whatever reason. I think something about their fields. Nobody could kick there. If I slow the ship. Saints down, yeah, that <laughs> in the end zone. But so I don't think the Saints lose two in a row.
1: Yeah, I'm going I'm to stick with that. I'm going to go with New
3: Orleans. Uh, Giants Washington I had Giants Billy I'll take the Giants as well I'm picking the Giants for the first time all year I'll go Giants but I don't feel good about it <laughs> <laughs> Indy
1: at Houston Houston's rolling Indy with that brutal loss against the Jaguars last week
0: Houston is rolling 9-3 I'm going to take the Texans
2: I'm going to take Houston as well I really like Andrew Luck I'm happy that he's coming back strong but I think Houston's just too much
3: I'm going to go with the Colts. Uh, Houston can't just win out the season on this massive win streak, can they? And I feel like if, if there's one left on their schedule, they're due to lose. I think it's this one.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I, I just can't. I just don't see the streak continuing, and I think Indy's a really solid team. Divisional games are always tough. I'll, I'll go with Indy here. Cincinnati continuing to struggle. No Andy Dalton. They're taking on the Chargers in LA.
0: Yep, sleeper Chargers. They're going to win again. They're going to Destroy the Bengals this week.
2: No Andy Dalton, no AJ Green, no win. Chargers.
0: Yeah, Chargers. Probably the easiest one of the week.
2: Yeah, I'm with that. I think that's that, this one's probably
1: my lock this week. I'll go with the Chargers here as they continue to roll. Uh Denver at San
0: Francisco. Tough one. I'm gonna go with Denver. Uh, I don't really love either team, but Denver's gonna win this one.
2: Um, Matt Breed is out, so I don't I can't feel right about picking San Francisco, so I'll take Denver.
3: I think Denver's gonna win out. I'll go Denver. I think they're going to win That's out. Yeah. Uh, wow, look at their schedule. It's so easy. I think they have most of the tiebreakers, too. So they're they're in better shape than it looks right now. I'll go with Denver.
1: Uh, Philly at Dallas. This is a 430 game. This is a hot one.
0: I'm going with Philly. I think Philly's pushing up a little bit. Finally, they're starting to find themselves a little bit. Dallas has been unsustainably good. And I, I think they had that big win last week against the, against the Saints. They're not going to continue this. I'm going to take the Eagles.
2: Something just looks off to me about Carson Wentz. He doesn't look the same, so I'm going with Dallas.
3: Yeah, I'm going with Dallas as well. I really believe in their defense. Yeah, I think defense
1: is sustainable. So I think that's what's kind of keep that's been their rock. That's what's been keeping them going. That's what's been keeping them going. Zeke has been absolutely rolling, and I think he'll continue to do so. Big game for Zeke uh, against the Eagles. Pittsburgh at Oakland. Pittsburgh
0: continuing to falter. Maybe a trap game against the Raiders, Billy. No, Steelers are going to get their season back going. I mean, they got the Ravens right on their heels now. I think it's a game they need to win, a game they will.
2: Ben Roethlisberger can't play road games. Oakland.
3: Yeah, I have, I'm kind of with that. I could certainly see this being a close, sloppy game. Typical the Steelers on the road. And historically, they really struggled in, in Oakland, but I just don't think they lose three in a row, so I'll go with the Steelers yeah. a close one.
1: Yeah, no James Conner for them either. So, But either way, I think Pittsburgh's just too good. Oakland's been a dumpster fire with John Gruden at the helm, so I'll go with Pittsburgh. Detroit at
0: Arizona. Detroit at Arizona. Um, Cardinals had a weird one. I don't really know which way to go here. (laughs) I mean, Cardinals had a big win last week, but they're not really a good team at all. I'll take the Lions.
2: I think I'm going to take Arizona just because of Chase Edmonds and he did well last week.
3: (laughs) I'll take Detroit. I think Patricia needs something going right for him.
2: Yeah, I'll take
0: Detroit as well. No real reasoning behind it. I'll just go with Detroit. Uh, Rams at Chicago Sunday Night Football Great game Because it's in Chicago Gives the Bears a shot Bouncing back I'm not sure Is Trubisky back or not? Yes he is He is back So that's that's big news there But I'm going to take the Rams
2: Oh This could be an NFC Championship matchup here And I would love to see it um, I'll take the Rams
3: I'm going to go with the Bears. I think if the Bears are for real, they need to win these big primetime games. They already won a big primetime against the Vikings. I think they do it against the Rams, who so are, again, another team I just don't think is going to win out since their last loss. I
1: think this is going to be an outstanding game. I don't know if is quite at 100%, so for that reason, I'm going to go with the Rams. Big NFC Wild Card implication game on Monday Night Football, Vikings at Seattle.
0: Yeah, Seattle's still good at home. People, yeah. I mean, I thought they would kind of fall apart this season a little bit, but they're, they're still competitive, and they're 7-5 and five right now. They're home. I'm going to take the Seahawks.
2: I'm going to take the Vikings. I think that Kirk Cousins is going to finally prove why he was worth all that money and Adam Thielen is one of the best wide receivers in the league.
3: Yeah give me Seattle for the opposite reason you just said. I don't think Cousins is ever going to win these big games. I'm going to go Seattle
1: at home so that's our pickups for this week. That's our episode week 14 NFL Friday. Thanks for tuning in and keep tuning in every Friday to the end of the season.